This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to get to visit with Ryan Gorlitz. Ryan's the Chief Financial Officer at the Ohio State University Comprehensive Care Center, James Cancer Hospital, and in the related Solove Research Institute. We're going to talk today about something that's near and dear to leaders in healthcare. And that's the concept of how do you keep on investing and, and why it's so important to keep on investing in mission even when financial challenges may be daunting. And that certainly has been the case in the last year for major health systems throughout the country, uh, challenging financial times. Ryan, take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about, first, about the Comprehensive Cancer Center at the Ohio State University. Then we'll talk about your career. And then we'll talk about the core of this, is investing while things are challenging. Ryan? Yes, good morning, Scott, and thanks for having me. Uh, so just a little bit about um, the Ohio State University Cancer Program. And when I say cancer program, that's all inclusive of our James Cancer Hospital, which is a 356-bed separate uh, standalone cancer hospital. And then our Comprehensive Cancer Center, which is an NCI-designated uh, research center um, that consists our, our cancer program at OSU. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be and honored to be the CFO of that entity. So the Ohio State University, the health system is one of these most magnificent academic medical centers in the country. How do you sort of look at continuing to invest when the business environment is challenging? How do you, how do you sort of think about those issues? Yeah, that's so I think, first of all, it starts with the fact that at our core, as an academic medical center, we've defined the fact that our tripartite mission of clinical care research and education is critically important to us. And so when that's the core of what you do, that sets the stage for our strategic plan. And then I would say keeping on course with that strategic plan, even when you face financial pressures. You know, at Ohio State, um, we are certainly not immune to the pressures that most of the healthcare systems across the country are experiencing right now, due to the challenges that we all know about with with staffing and and reimbursement rate pressures and all of those things. And what we've done is we've made sure that. Um, really, our strategy is to continue to grow our clinical missions such that we can continue to invest in our academic missions, both research and education. And again, that's just core of what we do. And as the finance person, that's something that we keep our eye um, upon. And when we do our program planning, when we do our financial planning, we we integrate all of our missions into that instead of, you know, I, I th think some places kind of have those separate and distinct, but we really try to integrate them. And I think that in our cancer program in particular, we do that quite well. Uh, so so I would say that's the, the core principle is is really it's, it's easy to look at research as an example and say, well, you know, that's a mission that loses money. So when times are tight, you know, let's let's cut there. But again, it's the core of what we do, and we truly believe that we need to grow all all mission areas, right? And from a financial standpoint, again, it's investing in, in growing our clinical mission in order to continue to reinvest in our academic missions. Thank you very, very much. And you've had a, a, a remarkable career. Started off in accounting and finance, ended up at, uh, you know, Medical College of Wisconsin, magnificent place for a long time, 
and now here at Ohio State, uh, and, and most recently, a couple of years ago, appointed CFO of the Cancer Center. Talk a bit about what advice you would give to emerging professionals, emerging leaders, any career advice you'd give to a younger version of yourself or to emerging leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott, I would say one thing that I've, I've told you know, mentees of mine along the way is that there's not one linear career path. And finance is one of those disciplines where some folks, I think, or traditionally, right, uh, folks would say, well, you kind of have to go uh, up a, a certain path, if you will. And, you know, looking back at my career, I started after undergrad in public accounting, which is a uh, very you know common or traditional path, uh, and I was on the the auditing side of things, and then you know after doing that for five years, decided hey I wanted to go work for uh, a large nonprofit, and it just happened to be an academic medical center and more specifically a medical school. So I always say I stumbled into academic medicine, and um, just loved the, the core of what we do. But in terms of the career path, what I found is I was working my way up the traditional, you know, finance career ladder, if you will. And I made a very deliberate decision um, about, I guess it would be seven years ago now when I was still at the Medical College of Wisconsin to deviate from that path and take a role as chief of staff for our uh, dean uh, of the, the uh, medical school there um, and the provost. And it was a very deliberate decision because I wanted to get myself out of finance for a period of time and really see things through a different lens. And what I found for me anyway, was that even though I was just in that particular position a couple years, because then I subsequently moved to Ohio and Ohio State and went back to a, a finance role, I found that just in that two years that um, the way in which I look at things when evaluating uh, opportunities and decisions in in my current role, it's again, I, I view it in a very biased way that I look at things differently. I look at things holistically because I made that deliberate decision to deviate from that traditional path. So going back to my advice, it's there's not one path um, to get to where a person ultimately wants to go. And I think as long as someone looks at it deliberately about, okay, what am I trying to gain uh, from a particular opportunity? And for me, what I was trying to gain was experience outside of finance, and that served me well. So as long as you're ultimately adding to your toolbox with experiences and a skill set, I think there there's um, many different paths uh, to a person's career. So that's one piece of advice I would give. Thank you so much. And talk about this. You went back, you know, 15, 20 years after starting your, your career outside of public accounting to go back to do an MBA. And, and whether it's the degree itself, whatever the degree is, this commitment to lifelong learning, how important is that to professional, even not just success, to professional satisfaction, that commitment to lifelong learning? Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. It kind of goes hand in hand, Scott, with what I was talking about with, you know, adding tools to your tool belt, if you will, that I really view lifelong learning in in the confines of professional development at large. And 
I think want professional development is one of those things that it's unique and it has to be personalized to the person. There's many different forms of professional development. You know, for me over time, it's been, as you mentioned, the, the MBA, which was great from the standpoint of, uh, I would say what I enjoyed the most was interacting with other professionals and not just business professionals per se, you know, I lawyers, engineers, all of those folks. And I learned a lot from um, the, those uh, professionals in those fields, but, you know, it's, it's not only going to conferences and things like that, but it, again, it's, it's trying to think about professional development holistically about what can what can I learn and continue to advance both experiences, but also, you know, the, the soft skills of things and all of those. So, you know, going back and getting my MBA, I guess, was an example of one of the things that I look at in my career as lifelong learning, but it doesn't stop. In fact, today I'm at a conference in California um, to continuing to do my professional development. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask you three tough questions, and you don't have to answer them if you feel like these are too challenging or, or Ryan, you can't handle them. So I'm going to ask you three tough questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the first one, you have to finish the phrase. I'll say the first word, and you have to finish the phrase. The first word is Oshkosh. Well, I was going to be boring and say Wisconsin. <laughs> no, no, no. It's Oshkosh. Bigosh, Oshkosh, Bigosh, because that was the the, the uh, long-term commercial for the yes. for the company out of Oshkosh, correct? Absolutely, that okay, is so correct. That's, yeah, Oshkosh, okay, Bigosh so. started there. Yep, in Oshkosh, it is no longer exactly. there, but it started there. <laughs> but that was always what runs through my mind when I think about Oshkosh. So that's that's zero for one, but we've got two more chances to to win. So, <laughs> so, so now now uh, this one should be easy for a Wisconsinite. You know, who do you love or hate, Packers or Bears? Oh, absolutely love the Packers. Hate the Bears and the Vikings for that matter. <laughs> fair enough. So that's fair enough. Fair enough. Now, as a as this is the tough one because you're a lifelong Wisconsinite, really, but you're a newly transplanted, at least over several years, Ohio State Columbus Buckeye, you know, Ohioan. And, and so the next question is Buckeyes versus Wolverines. Oh, easily the Buckeyes. I will tell you, Scott, that I converted to an Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, very, very quickly uh, when I moved and to, to the dismay of my friends and family, um, I, uh, I am a big Buckeye fan now. But it, it is easy, regardless of where you're from, it's easy to hate the Wolverines, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. But I would say, to be honest, a lot of folks would say that it's easy to hate the Buckeyes, too. Perhaps, perhaps, but it's easier to hate the bucket, the Wolverines, I think. So now the last question is now, now Aaron Rodgers has, you know, consistently outperformed the Chicago Bears. There's all these great talks about how Aaron Rodgers has been a quarterback, you know, while the Bears have gone through 20 or 30 or 40 quarterbacks in the time of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Um, does Aaron Rodgers continue as a Packer or is he done as a Packer? I don't honestly think he knows, but I, I, my, my prediction is I actually think he's going to be done as a Packer. He's either going to retire or he's going to get traded. That's my gut feeling right now. 
Fantastic. Well, well, fabulous. Ryan, really literally, and I, and I hate to, uh, it's too much fun to ask you the questions about Oshkosh and Aaron Rodgers in Ohio and, and the Packers beers and so forth, even if I'm a Chicagoan, just too much fun. <laughs> but, 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 but the reality is a, a brilliant professional career, and, and I love the concept of, look, through tough and good times, we need to keep on investing in the core mission of what we're trying to do. And I love that theme of yours and that theme of Ohio State and the camp and the Cancer Center and, and everything that you do. So congratulations on a magnificent career. And I also love the commitment to lifelong learning. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a pleasure. And we'll try and stump you again on the next podcast. Thank you very, very Thank much. Thank you so much, Scott.